0: Gorgeous beaches and sparkling water. Honolulu is a sunny paradise, but there's more to the 50th state's capital than Waikiki and overpriced tropical drinks. This week on Destination Eat Drink, the podcast. Traveling the world to bring you delicious dishes, tasty beverages, and interesting experiences. This is the Destination Eat Drink podcast on the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. I'm your host, Brent Peterson. Thanks for joining me for Destination Eat Drink, the podcast, where we take you to a different location each week, tell you about the interesting food and drinks and cool things to do in that location that makes it a great place to travel to. And with the weather getting colder on the mainland, I thought... This week would be a good one to explore Honolulu, Hawaii, a spot that's on a lot of folks' bucket list. What to eat? Hey, you gonna finish that? On Destination Eat Drink. Honolulu and all of Hawaii has an extremely unique cuisine just because of its isolation in the middle of the Pacific Ocean and because of its migration from Asian cultures like China Japan, Philippines, and other places in Asia. In fact, in Honolulu and in all of Hawaii, it's the only state in the United States that has a plurality of Asian citizens. In Honolulu, one of the most popular dishes to have is called poke. Poke is becoming a lot more popular in the U.S. mainland, but of course it's extraordinarily popular in Hawaii, where it's almost a uh, fast food dish. You can find it at practically any restaurant, including some fast casual places, as well as fancy sit down places. Poke is made from raw tuna or octopus, sometimes salmon and other seafoods, even shellfishes sometimes. Um, but the interesting thing about poke is the sauce, uh, it's made with a relish that's made with seaweed and soy sauce and sesame oil. It gives a delicious umami flavor. And there's often sliced Maui onions marinated along with the seafood. If you're going to get poke in Honolulu, I would say try several spots. Go to your favorite, and I'm sure you can find poke because practically every restaurant has it. But here's a tip for vegetarian travelers. Stay away from the vegan poke. I've tried it several times. I've yet to find anyone who can make it decent. The problem is instead of serving the seafood, they sub that out for vegan diners and give you cubed up raw tofu completely uninteresting, and to my palate, completely unappetizing. Uh, Though maybe toss some green onions on top and maybe some soy sauce. Uh, I've yet to find one that even has interesting sauces to go with the vegan poke. Another one of the famous dishes of Hawaii, and this one is yet to catch on in the mainland, is called poi. You might have heard of poi before, um, but what you might not know is how it's made. It's made from mashed taro root. Uh, taro grows extraordinarily well in the Hawaiian Islands. There's tons of taro farms all over Hawaii. Uh, they dig it up, get out the root, and pound it into a paste that's almost liquefied uh, to make the poi. It has kind of a purplish color. And most of the poi that you'll find in grocery stores in Hawaii, at least, is made using industrial methods. But there are still some places that make poi the traditional way, which is hand-pounding it on a board with a giant pestle that makes it smoother and smoother and smoother. They add some water, and uh, it turns it into this paste, which is the poi. The best place to see a demonstration of hand-pounding of poise at Waiaholi Poi Factory. It's outside of Honolulu, but it is on Oahu. Uh, That's a place, uh, the Waiaholi Poi Factory, it's over a hundred years old, And they serve traditional Hawaiian food. It's a restaurant in addition to being a poi factory. So they serve plates of Hawaiian food. They also serve uh, very good Hawaiian treats like kalolo, um, which I'll talk about in a later episode of Destination Eat Drink. But the best part is seeing the live demonstrations of pounding poi by hand, which they do uh, Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays. So go out to Waiaholeh. And you can see them pound poi. Um, The other thing to know about poi is, generally, it's best fresh. It tastes best fresh. Because what happens is, the taro root uh, begins to ferment if it sits around for too long. It begins to bubble, gives it kind of a sour taste. Uh, I've never seen anyone in Hawaii make an alcohol out of it, although I imagine with fermenting it would be possible. I've never seen it, though. But... I prefer the flavor of a fresh poi as opposed to a one that has begun to ferment. Um, the other thing about taro is you can find something called taro chips occasionally in uh, grocery stores and in restaurants. And that's where they don't pound the poi, but instead they slice the roots thin and fry it and salt it just like a potato chip. But it's a taro chip, and that is incredibly delicious. Another thing you definitely have to try when you go to Honolulu besides the poi and the poke is chocolate. I know, it doesn't sound exotic at all, but here's the thing about chocolate and Hawaii. Hawaii is really the only state in the U.S. that can successfully grow cacao trees. Those are the trees that give us the beans that you make chocolate out of. And that's because cacao trees can only be grown in this narrow band of latitude around the world. And Hawaii happens to fall within that latitude, just barely. A lot of the cacao trees are grown on the big island of Hawaii. Some are on Maui. But there is one farm on Oahu that grows their own cacao trees and that's Lanohana Estate Chocolate. They grow their own cacao trees. They started doing them from little tiny saplings. They uh, dry and ferment the beans. They crush the beans. They make their own chocolate. It's delicious. It's expensive, but it's delicious. Um, They have a store in the Kakaako neighborhood of Honolulu that you can visit, and they'll have I don't know, 15, 20 different samples out for you to try of all their different chocolates. And they also have an online component. You can join their chocolate club. It ain't cheap, but their chocolate is extraordinary. Also, one of my other favorite chocolate places in Honolulu is Manoa Chocolate. Now, they source their beans from Hawaii as well, but they also source other beans from all over the world. So you can try Ecuadorian beans, you can try African beans, and of course they have beans from Hawaii that they make chocolate from. They have many different bars. My favorite are the uh, single origin bars that they have, but there's several other flavors as well. And you can try them. Uh, you can try them when you go and visit their factory, which is in Kailua. It's worth a visit because the factory tour is interesting, and the people who run the store are very knowledgeable. They'll do a taste test with you and tell you all about the chocolate. If you can't make it out to uh, Kailua, which is, I don't know, 30, 40 minutes away from uh, downtown Honolulu, they're available in a lot of stores, including the new Whole Foods Monster Store on Queen Street, in Ward Village. Um, the bars are a little bit cheaper, but they're still like uh, 8 nine, ten $9, $10 per bar. So if you want that chocolate, that's Manoa chocolate. It's excellent. My favorite one is the Hawaiian Island Milk Bar, which is a uh, single origin chocolate. Or another one that's really good is called their Breakfast Bar because they coat it with crushed up coffee beans from Hawaii and crushed up cacao nibs so it's kind of crunchy it's a little bitter it's very flavorful and the last chocolate place I want to tell you about is called Madre chocolate they make an excellent excellent chocolate and one of my favorites is the Lily Koi chocolate that they make Lily Koi is just Hawaiian for passion fruit but that one's delicious the Madre chocolate has a shop in Chinatown Speaking of Chinatown, Honolulu has a great Chinatown, and I love visiting it. For some reason, Chinatowns in the United States have got a bad reputation as being um, dirty, grimy, rip-off places, dangerous places, but Honolulu's Chinatown is one of my favorite places to go in Honolulu, and here's why. When immigrants come to the United States, Asian immigrants specifically come from China or Japan, they'll a lot of times land in the Chinatown of that city. And of course, that's true in Honolulu, where there's lots of Chinese immigrants, where there's lots of Japanese and Filipino immigrants. And they open businesses there, whether they're Chinese grocery stores, whether they are herbalists or flower shops or especially restaurants. And the reason I like them is because these restaurants tend to be more authentic than the ones you will find in other parts of the city. That's because the proprietors are focusing their business towards their immigrant customers, not towards tourists. So they don't have to worry about Americanizing dishes for the tourist palate. They're trying to appeal to folks that have just come from the mother country. So you'll generally find places with more authentic dishes when you go to Chinatown. I love wandering around to the various markets, picking up different fruits and vegetables that I have no idea what they are, and experimenting with them. Hopefully, when you go, you find someone either who works at the store or maybe someone who's a fellow shopper who's friendly who can tell you what to do with these things. Strike up a conversation. People are generally friendly. Um, even if they may not speak the uh, English as well as we do, they will still want to help you if you show a genuine curiosity. In Chinatown in Honolulu, one of my favorite places is the Sun Chong Grocery. I, I love buying some of the fresh stuff there. Plus, they have packaged goods from China. Sometimes you have no idea what they are. You have to ask what's in there. Another good place to go when you're in Chinatown in Honolulu is the Chinatown Market. There's about a dozen different shops and uh vendors of food and sellers of little tchotchkes and whatnot under a single roof. When I'm in Honolulu's Chinatown, my favorite places to go are the open-air produce markets. You'll see all kinds of exotic fruits and vegetables stacked high and fresh. And of course, you'll see stuff like uh, pineapples and mangoes and eggplants that you're familiar with, but it's the exotic stuff that I like. Uh, you 'll see you know you might go into a grocery store in the mainland and see a few dragon fruit uh, stacked in a corner somewhere, and they look a little bit sad because they 've been shipped all the way from uh, the far east. but in Chinatown you 'll see them fresh and bright and delicious you 'll also see something called uh, apple bananas, which have nothing to do with apples but they 're just smaller bananas they 're grown in Hawaii. They're incredibly delicious. They're the some of the tastiest bananas I've ever had in my life. Look for them. Also, when in season, look for the lychee fruit. It has this little pinkish brown prickly skin on the outside. You peel that open with your thumb and it reveals this wonderful juicy fruit on the inside. The other thing that I love to get at the markets in Chinatown and Honolulu is the mountain apple. It's not in season for very long, but it looks like, uh, they call it a mountain apple. It doesn't look like an apple at all. It's about the size and shape of a large thumb. And I guess they call it a mountain apple because the color on the outside looks like an apple. It doesn't taste anything like an apple. It tastes kind of like a pear. But they're only in season in the springtime, and I always get them when they're in season in Chinatown. One last word about Chinatown. Um, for me personally there's a lot of other cool places to go there you should explore there they also have tons of flower shops people will be making lays by hand that's interesting to see beautiful to watch and wonderful to buy but um, there's also a lot of bars there as well I tend not to like to walk around too much late at night there you're not in a lot of Danger. It's not an incredibly dangerous place, but of all the places in Honolulu, that would be the place that I wouldn't be hanging out alone late at night. I would make sure if I was out there drinking that I had an Uber ride that was coming to pick me up and I would wait inside and, and walk directly out if, if that was what I was doing there. Right next to Chinatown is the downtown area of Honolulu, and that is really the um, business financial and government hub of Honolulu and of the state of Hawaii. So this is a place very few tourists go here. This is the place where you'll see businessmen and businesswomen uh, dressed in their aloha shirts, uh, going about their business, carrying briefcases and, and dressed well. The thing about downtown Honolulu is they have a bunch of restaurants there that service only this crowd that works downtown. So these restaurants are open only Monday through Friday from like 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. That's it. No breakfast, no dinner, just lunch. And they serve the lunch crowd in Honolulu. And there's one restaurant there that is absolutely extraordinary. It's called the Water Drop Restaurant. It's run by the Guang Shan Buddhist Order. And if, you're, if I say Buddhist order and you're expecting to walk in there and see uh, bald guys in brown robes, so that's, that's not what it is. Um, it's almost like a cafeteria style. You go in, you make your selections, they serve it to you, and then you take it to your table. Here's the thing that makes this water drop restaurant so extraordinary. Uh, because it's run by a Buddhist order, it's all vegetarian. And the dishes are delicious. I had a a tofu with a seaweed base on it that was some of the best I'd ever had. And in the display case at the front of the place, they've got all kinds of stuff that you can take to go as well if you enjoy the meal. Lots of vegetables, lots of tofu. It's kind of what you'd expect from a Buddhist order who started a restaurant. But the food, the food... Is spectacular at water drop. What to drink? I'll have another. On destination, eat, drink. When we think of drinking in Hawaii, we think of rum drinks in tall glasses that are carved to look like tiki idols and paper umbrellas. Um, you can find that kind of stuff in Waikiki. It's generally watered down and very expensive, but. There are some great places to get a cocktail or to get a beer in Honolulu. First off, what you should know is everything's expensive in Honolulu. It's tough to find a bargain in Honolulu. Think about it. They're 2,000 miles from the closest landmass. Practically everything has to be shipped in. So it's expensive. Gas is expensive. Hotels are expensive. Food is expensive. Drinks are expensive. So expect to pay some money. That said, one of my favorite neighborhoods for a cocktail is Kaka'ako. It's between Waikiki and the downtown area. And if you ask any longtime resident of Honolulu about Kakaako, they'll tell you, it used to be an industrial wasteland. But in the last few years, it's really changed quite a bit. They put some high rises in there, so a lot of people have moved in and they've put in some very nice restaurants and some shops there's a little area called ward village which is very upscale it has the brand new uh, mothership whole foods there and it has some nice restaurants and a nice place to drink that i'll tell you about a little bit later but also in kakaako they've kind of become a craft brew nexus for hawaii there's three excellent Craft brewery places in Kaka'ako, all within a couple blocks of each other. My favorite is Waikiki Brewing. Um, They make something called the uh, molasses black strap, which is Karen's favorite. I love their English brown ale. They also have a kitchen, they serve a lot of food. And if you're here during football season, they open up early on football season and serve a brunch and Bloody Marys and whatnot. Because remember, depending on what time of year it is, it's, uh, you know it could be five, six hours difference between East Coast and Honolulu. So games can start as early as seven o'clock in the morning, and that's when some of these bars open. Another one of my favorite places is Aloha Beer Company. All three of these places brew their own beer uh, right on the premise, but Aloha Beer Company, they make excellent beer they have a food truck right there no tvs so if you're going to if you want to go to talk this is a place to go although the music can be a little loud sometimes next door uh, they also have a speakeasy with a little uh, little balcony that overlooks the brewing area at aloha beer company and the third one is honolulu beer works which also makes excellent beer they're right on cook street and they also have a kitchen. I like getting uh, an order of their candied nuts, which are yummy to munch on while you're having a beer. So all three of those are really good. If your taste runs more towards wine, I've got good news for you. By far, the best wine bar in all of Honolulu, in all of Hawaii for that manner, is in Kakaako. It's called, simply enough, Vino. Whoever their sommelier, whoever their wine buyer is, they curate an extraordinary wine list. And for Hawaii, the prices are very reasonable. I've had glasses of wine for $6, very, very good wine, which is unheard of in Honolulu. Um, And they curate wines from all over the world. I was shocked when I had an excellent Greek red wine at Vino. I was very reluctant at first. I tend to stay away from Greek wines. This was extraordinary. So Vino is the place to go. They also have a very good kitchen. Uh, Their desserts are good. Their pizzas are good. It's excellent. I would suggest getting a reservation. Every time I've been there, it's been jam-packed. A fun little place in Kakaako is called Italica. And they're in the, uh, this is interesting. There's a little BMW Ferrari Lamborghini dealership in Kakako, And right inside the dealership is this little Italian cafe called Italica. It's like the places you'll see in Rome where they have the big, display cases with all the prepared food the big slabs of pizza the salads the sandwiches the desserts everything on display right there and you point and you pick and you it's wonderful Um, you can get that my favorite thing there is their eggplant parmesan they bake them in these little individual ramekins and it's delicious that with uh, a glass of wine and maybe some limoncello for dessert and you dine outside al fresco it's like you're in rome and just as allowed to because you're right on the street with all the traffic now i said earlier that there's a place in uh, kakaako called ward village and a restaurant has recently opened there i think it's the third or fourth location for a restaurant called merriman's and the food is good there but the bar is the reason to go to merriman's Um, Again, you need to get there relatively early. It tends to be very packed in there. But if you can get a seat at the bar, they make excellent cocktails. One of my favorites, now you'll laugh because I'm going to tell you to get a Mai Tai, which seems like a touristy drink. But here's the thing. At Merriman's, they make their Mai Tai with, uh, of course, a slice of fresh pineapple on the side. And then they top it with some Lilikoi Foam. Lilacoy, I remember, is passion fruit. So passion fruit foam on top of a Mai Tai. It's fantastic. And for something like $4, maybe it's 5 or 6 I can't remember, they have something called their bread sampler, where they've got a, um, a, 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 a French bread, a couple slices of French bread, a couple slices of pumpernickel, and a couple of biscuits with some butter. And it goes perfectly with whatever your cocktail is. I've also had their gin and tonic there. It's excellent. If Merriman's is too busy, go around the corner to Nobu, which is a great place to go for a cocktail. They have outdoor seating, but they've put up these uh, plant screens to shield you from the traffic. I've never had the food there, but the cocktails at Nobu in uh, Ward Village are excellent. Now, the thing about Kakaako is, like I said, it's an up-and-coming area. Uh, it was kind of an industrial no-man land uh, for many years. In fact, you'll still see around Kakaako these shady, what-are-they-doing-there car, rep- car repair places with cars Parked every which way blocking traffic and whatnot and other industrial wasteland type places where you think something shady might be going on but the fact of the matter is a lot of kakaako has been redeveloped new restaurants have come in and my favorite place this is a this is a secret place that no tourists ever really go to is called kakaako waterfront park it's not a beach uh, they've got rocks that lead up from the water to the promenade to protect the waterfront from erosion. But you can stroll up and down the promenade, and especially on weekends, locals bring their families there to cook out, to have lunch, and to enjoy the water. Folks will jump in and surf and swim. Although if you're not a good surfer, not a good swimmer, you are basically in the open ocean. So, Uh, Be careful. And then at the very end of the promenade is this place called Point Panic. And it's rightfully named because this has kind of a confluence of two areas which uh, create rip currents that the surfers love. And it's one of the few really good surfing spots on the south shore of Hawaii and in Honolulu itself. And so you'll see good surfers out there. And it's a good place just to sit and to watch the surfers. It's also a good spot to watch the sunset and to uh, dip your toes in the water if you're so inclined. It's the Kaka'ako Waterfront Park. Destination, eat, drink. Waikiki might be the best known beach in the entire world. And it has good reason for that lofty reputation. The sand is beautiful, the water is beautiful, and there's lots of things to do. There's folks that'll give you surfing lessons. You can go out and do uh, parasailing out there. And there's lots and lots of activities for the kids. They've built a little water break in one part of Waikiki Beach that creates a very calm and shallow area in the water where all the kids love to play. There's beach volleyball out there. There's a park across the street where they host all kinds of events like the annual ukulele festival. So Waikiki Beach deserves its reputation, but because it's so famous, everybody goes to Waikiki Beach. So it can get crowded and it can get depressing because of all those crowds. So yeah, go to Waikiki Beach, but here's a beach you can go to that not so many people know about, especially the tourists. It's called Alamuana Beach. And Alamuana is just down from Waikiki Beach. Yes, it does get crowded, especially on the weekends, but it's crowded with locals, not with tourists. So if that's your idea of fun, That's the place to go. Locals hanging out, having fun, uh, playing in the water. And there's some surfing there, too. Um, It's not as good as surfing as at uh, Panic Point, but you can go surfing at Alamoana Beach as well. And there's a part of Alamoana Beach called Magic Island, it's not really an island, it just kind of juts out into the water, but it, uh, it's a great spot for going on Friday evenings because every Friday evening after sunset, there's a free fireworks display in Waikiki. They shoot out over the water and tourists cram into that area around the resorts in Waikiki to get a good look at it. But if you go out to Magic Island, you're looking over the water. You get a great uh, look at the beach and the fireworks. It's a perfect spot to go. And that's your tip if you want to go and watch the fireworks. Go to Alamoana Beach. Probably my favorite beach in all of Honolulu is called Sandy Beach. Um, It's technically in Honolulu, but it's a few miles outside of Waikiki. You really have to drive to get there. But it's a gorgeous stretch of sand. Um, It was made famous a few years ago when Barack Obama came to visit his home state, and he went body surfing off of Sandy Beach. In fact, there was even a push by the city council to rename it Barack Obama Beach. That never went anywhere. It's still called Sandy Beach. This has some of the most difficult surfing water in all of Hawaii. There's very dangerous rip currents there. So if you're not an expert surfer, don't go out surfing. But there's a gorgeous beach there, and it makes for a nice walk. You can walk down to some uh, lava rocks. Once when we went down to Sandy Beach, we just happened upon a monk seal, which are endangered you should never get close to them we didn't get close to this monk seal but you should never get close to a monk seal if you see them they're endangered but he was just lying up on the beach sunning himself and relaxing on the far end of sandy beach if you go to sandy beach the other thing you should definitely see is the halona blowhole this is a natural uh, erosion in a rock that causes the surf to come in in such a way that when it hits it just right, it makes a geyser shoot up from the rock. It's super cool to watch and you can see the water gush up 20, 30 feet or more. It's especially exciting when it's high tide because then you get a a harder force of water blowing through the blowhole. Now, a word of caution. Tourists always want to go down to the uh, Halona blowhole and get that up-close picture. Don't do it. It seems every year some tourist has to be rescued by the Coast Guard, and in some cases tourists have even been killed after being swept out to sea after the Halona blowhole uh, caught them off guard and took them out into the ocean. So don't play that game of getting the perfect selfie. It's not worth your life. What is worth it is climbing down the steep stairs from the observation deck of the Helona Blowhole to the Halona Beach Cove. This is a hidden cove, a natural cove, that has a beach, beautiful swimming, although sometimes the water can be rough. And this beach was made famous by the movie from here to eternity that's where the couple was rolling around and the water was the surf was coming in pounding and and white water was all over them from here to eternity that's where it was filmed at uh, the Holona beach cove if you need to get out of honolulu for a little while drive north Uh, Depending on traffic, you can get to the north shore of Oahu in 45 minutes or maybe an hour and go to the Banzai Pipeline. Even if you're not a surfer, this is one of the most famous surf spots in the world. In fact, this is where international surfing championships take place every winter. That's the time when the biggest waves hit. You'll see As big as 30 foot waves on Bonsai Pipeline Beach. It's incredible to watch. The beach itself is beautiful. Uh, You can walk up and down the beach and enjoy that. But you can also watch the surfers as they ply their trade in that rough water. During the summer, the uh, waves tend to be much smaller. In fact, surfers pretty much ignore the North Shore for other locations. In fact, the South Shore down by Waikiki and Honolulu tend to be more active in the summer. But if you go in the winter and you want to see surfers, go north to the Bonsai Pipeline. Near there is the Three Tables and Shark's Cove beaches. These are great for snorkeling, and you'll want to go snorkeling here in the summer because the water is calmer, it's easier to see. And you're likely to see incredible tropical fish and swim with the turtles. Again, don't disturb any of the uh, sea creatures, especially the turtles, the Hawaiian turtles, the Hona, are endangered. So you don't want to disturb them. If you want to see turtles without getting your head wet, you can go to Lanakia Beach or Turtle Beach. There's limited parking here. Be careful when you cross the street. But... In the early afternoon, pretty much year-round, turtles will come up onto the shore and rest, eat, sun themselves, relax. It's quite a stirring scene to see a live turtle come up onto the beach and, uh, you know, just relax for a couple hours. Don't get close to them. The turtles are endangered, and usually out at Turtle Beach, they'll have volunteers who want to take care of the turtles who will remind folks to keep their distance from the turtles. You can get within 10 feet of them, and that's plenty of room in order to get a great picture. So those are the places to visit on the north shore of Oahu. Remember, you can always find out more about Honolulu and all the places that we mention on this episode of Destination Eat Drink, the podcast, at our website, DestinationEatDrink.com. In addition to Honolulu, there's a couple dozen other locations that you can look at, including places that we've talked about in recent episodes, like the hill towns of Istria, Croatia. In addition to the natural beauty of the beaches of Hawaii, there's also plenty of other natural wonders on Oahu. And probably the most famous is Diamond Head. This is a dormant volcano um, that erupted millions of years ago and helped to create the island of Oahu. Now it sits up next to Waikiki as the most dominant feature in the landscape. And the great thing about it is you can go up there and hike to the top of Diamond Head. It's quite stirring to get to the top. I suggest going early in the morning when you can take great pictures. The park opens around six o'clock in the morning and there's usually a line of traffic waiting to get in. But if you get there early, you can drive up to the parking area and then the hike itself isn't that bad. It's, you know, people have done it in 30 minutes or so. You get to the top, and you just get an amazing view of the entire south part of Oahu, including Waikiki Beach, and all the way down to all the way down to the western end of the island. Um, so that's a that's a good place to go, Diamond Head. Another interesting thing is right in the middle of Honolulu, in a residential neighborhood, is a rainforest where you can hike to a waterfall a couple hundred feet tall. It's called Manoa Falls. This is a very popular tourist attraction in Hawaii, in Honolulu, because it's so close to Waikiki and the resorts. It's a short car ride away. Here's what you do in order to minimize the crowds. Get there as early as possible. You'll be hiking up what is probably some wet terrain, and it's a relatively steep climb, although I've seen children make this climb fairly easily. There are other people who were not equipped to make the climb or weren't dressed properly you don't want to be wearing things like flip-flops it's not appropriate for a climb in the rainforest things get slick you can fall you can really hurt yourself but if you're ready to make the climb you can do it in 45 minutes i would say uh maybe an hour if there's a lot of people in there if you go early enough you can go up relatively unencumbered by other people. Uh, Be prepared, though. Bring a hat, bring some sunscreen, and bring some water. You're in a rainforest. It gets sticky, and there's insects there. And once at the top, do everyone a favor and mind the signs. I can't tell you how it breaks my heart when I see people climbing over the restricted area just so that they can get a selfie. This is how people end up getting hurt. In fact, recently no one got hurt. Thank goodness. But there was a rock slide at Manoa falls and the falls were closed for several weeks because of that. And some people went by the chain gates and ended up getting arrested because they weren't obeying the signs. Don't be that guy. Let everyone else enjoy the Manoa Falls as well as you, and don't become a statistic in some silly tourist accident. Speaking of silly things that tourists do, you might also read online about something called the Haiki Stairs or the Stairway to Heaven. This was built by the military in order to install a radio tower atop a huge mountain in Oahu. And they had to build this staircase so they, they could get all this equipment up there. I guess they didn't want to use helicopters at the time. Who knows the reason why? But there's the staircase. It's something like 3,000 steps, and it's closed to the public. It is illegal to climb these steps, except in the most rarest of cases when you're given permission. Yet, every day, tourists uh, go tramping through this residential neighborhood and climb the stairway to heaven, ignoring the signs. There are guards there now. And if you are caught, you will be arrested and you will be given a ticket. And you may even be given a summons that will force you to have to return to Honolulu to come to court. That's gonna be a really expensive ticket if you have to return to Honolulu to come to court. So don't climb the Hayaku stairs, okay? It's not worth it do go to the manoa falls though and do climb diamond head they're both gorgeous and well worth your time destination eat drink If you like Destination Eat Drink, you can subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, on Google Play, or Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts, or go straight to radiomisfits.com and click on Destination Eat Drink, the podcast. In addition to all the great foodie destinations, all the great drinks, all the great natural wonders that Honolulu has to offer— There's also some cultural things to visit, the most famous being the Pearl Harbor Museum. Of course, Pearl Harbor was attacked in 1941 by the Japanese Imperial military, killing hundreds of U.S. soldiers, thousands of civilians, sinking dozens of ships and downing aircraft, and starting World War II for the United States. The USS Arizona was sunk as part of the Pearl Harbor attack, and it still sits at the bottom of Pearl Harbor. The sailors still are inside their watery tomb, left as a memorial and a remembrance of that terrible day in December 1941. The USS Arizona is a museum that you used to be able to visit recently Cracks were found in the observation deck of the USS Arizona, so people are no longer allowed to directly view the USS Arizona. It's still worth a visit, though, to the Pearl Harbor Museum to see other artifacts and the museum itself and the film about Pearl Harbor. You can go out into the harbor and go around the USS Arizona but you just can't observe it directly. For folks who are interested in Polynesian culture, let me make this recommendation to you. Go to the Bishop Museum. The Bishop Museum has one of the finest and most extensive collections of Polynesian history and artifacts. And you'll learn a lot more about Polynesian history than by going to a luau at your resort or by going to the Polynesian Cultural Center on the North Shore. You'll see tons of advertisements in Oahu about the Polynesian Cultural Center. And I'm not going to tell you not to go there, but here's my unbiased opinion. I think that the Polynesian Cultural Center is more of a Disneyland It's kind of a false characterization of what Polynesian culture is that's been whitewashed for your approval. You've got uh, kids from Brigham Young University, the Hawaii branch, who are portraying Polynesians, and I find it to be less than authentic. That's my opinion. One other museum that's definitely worth your time, however, is Shangri-La. This is Doris Duke's home between Waikiki and Diamond Head, and it houses the largest collection of Islamic art in the Western world. Doris Duke in the 1930s was on a round-the-world honeymoon trip with her husband when she landed in Hawaii and fell in love with Hawaiian culture and Hawaii and bought a piece of land. There she constructed Shangri-La her villa that she lived in on and off until her death in the early 90s. She decorated the home with pieces of art and artifacts that she collected in her many trips to the Middle East and to India over years and years. After her death, the um, house became a museum, which you can now visit. You have to make a reservation online in order to visit Shangri-La, but it's worth it. I've been there, and I very much enjoyed looking at the pieces uh, that she had collected. Now, of course, in today's day and age, you would never be allowed to take these artifacts out of their original countries. In fact, there are, you can read about it online, Um, there are books that have been written on this topic, There are many museums that have been found guilty of taking illegally artifacts from countries and putting them in their museums. In essence, this is stealing other countries' cultural heritage. You can read about what happened at the Getty Museum in California and many other museums as well. And it's still a rather sticky situation. You have to decide for yourself what side of the fence you come down on. For me personally, of course, I don't believe in stealing cultural artifacts. But the fact of the matter is that these cultural artifacts do exist in these museums. And if you want to see them and learn about them, sometimes you have to go and visit these museums in order to do so. And by spending your money on these museums, hopefully what you're doing is to help to preserve them. Eventually, what I would like to see is having these items returned to their rightful owners and their rightful places, but that's a debate for another time. Finally, not a museum at all, but a very interesting tour to take is the Barack Obama Self-Guided Walking Tour. Barack Obama was born in Honolulu, And the hospital where he was born still stands there. The apartment that his grandparents, uh, where he lived with his grandparents for many years, is a couple of blocks away, as is the school that Barack Obama went to and graduated from in 1979. The middle school where he learned his love for basketball and the outdoor basketball courts where he played, those are still there. It's right across the street from the Baskin Robbins, where Barack Obama had his first job. If you go to DestinationEatDrink.com, click on Honolulu, there's a link to where you can download a map of the Barack Obama walking tour, which is self-guided. Tips and inside information on Destination Eat Drink. If you decide to go to Honolulu, here's a few tips for you. First of all, when you're packing your bags to come back, you can bring back pineapples from Honolulu if you like. Um, for me, that's usually more trouble than it's worth. I prefer bringing back chocolate, which we talked about earlier, and macadamia nuts. For some reason, the macadamia nuts taste so much better in Hawaii than they do on the mainland. I'm sure that's due to the freshness, but several bags of macadamia nuts oh, back on the mainland... It makes you relive your Hawaiian tropical vacation. While you're in Honolulu, you probably want to rent a car. Unless you plan on simply staying at your resort in Waikiki or you're in a hotel room that has every amenity you can want and you're just planning on Ubering around nearby Honolulu. I would rent a car for things like driving to the North Shore if you're going to go to the Banzai Pipeline or if you're going to go to Turtle Beach. If you're planning on going to see the uh, chocolate factory, I would definitely rent a car for that. Or you can just take a tour to do some of these things as well. There are plenty of tours. For folks on a budget, there's something called the bus, it's the mass transit in Honolulu. And it's relatively cheap $275 for a ride, $550, I think, for an all day pass, no transfers. And it covers not only all of Honolulu, and it does so very efficiently um, and affordably, like I said, but it covers all of Oahu. You can literally take the bus from Honolulu all the way to the North Shore of Hawaii, of Oahu. And it's, so it's very inexpensive. Now, it takes quite a while to get there. And secondly, when you're coming back, You're going to have to wait at the bus stop for a while because those buses aren't coming every five minutes on the North Shore. But if you're on a budget, that might be a way to go. Finally, my last tip, and I am not recommending this credit card because I'm getting anything from Hawaiian Airlines. I'm not. But I did this, and I found it to be very valuable. Well before you take your trip... Sign up for the Hawaiian Airlines credit card. Here's why. You get 50,000 miles after you spend $1,000 or maybe $2,000. I don't know the exact amount. uh, After two months. So you get 50,000 miles banked into your account. Now, here's what you do. You take those 50,000 miles and you use them to make trips to other islands. You can fly from Honolulu to the other islands on Hawaiian Airlines for 15,000 miles. That means with your 50,000 miles, you can fly from Honolulu to Maui and back. You can fly from Honolulu to um, Kauai and back. And you can fly from Honolulu to the Big Island and back. Three round trips for just signing up for a credit card. It's a pretty good deal. I've done it myself, and I found it to be a great value. Well, that's it for this week's Destination Eat Drink, the podcast. I hope you enjoyed our virtual trip to Honolulu, Hawaii. Destination Eat Drink has been produced by Ed Silla of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network. If you want more information about Honolulu or any of our other dozens of destinations, go to DestinationEatDrink.com. I'm Brent Peterson, and join us next week for another tasty adventure on Destination Eat Drink, the podcast. Join us next week for another culinary adventure on Destination Eat Drink, a presentation of the Radio Misfits Podcast Network.